Welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays by the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on supply trends, category updates, brand awareness, and what's hot in the market. Join us each week from San Francisco Bay, California, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Dan, the Produce Man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays on this lovely, lovely Friday in mid-September already. Hey, folks, today's Fresh from the Field Fridays is brought to you by the Produce Industry Podcast and sponsored by Buck Naked Onions, Equifruit, the only banana you should buy, Sunrays, the snack with impact. Yes, folks, as I said, it's a beautiful day here in the produce neighborhood. It's also National Fresh Fruit and Veggies Month. And what better person to join us during National Fresh Fruit and Veggies Month is Barbara Ruse, registered dietitian. You know, Barbara, there's some things, there's some letters next to your name. Where did I see that? Why don't you explain what all those letters are? I always like to know what those... I made up my own for mine, but you go ahead and explain for the ones that you've earned. I don't think the initials are that important. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a dietitian, nutritionist. I help people be healthier. Really, I've devoted my career to trying to maximize ways to help a larger audience. So forget the initials. I mean, yeah, of course you know, they're, they're valuable. I value education, but I'm a dietitian, business, retail health person. And I just want to help people understand the value of eating healthy. That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. And you have spent many years doing that as well. Well, you are a registered dietitian for the retail stores, different chains, put a lot of programs together. You worked with avocados from Mexico for almost a decade. How did you end up with avocados from Mexico because that is what's starting to come in now as California winds down. We're heading into yes. the Mexican avocado yes. season. Well, Mexican avocados are always in season. That's <laughs> sort of in their, their um, moniker, although they've changed their branding recently to um, a different, but, but yes, they're always in season. How did I end up in fresh produce? Well, how did I end up in retail? I guess I will start with. So I worked in public health as my very first role out of grad school, working for child nutrition programs for USDA, the school meal programs, school lunch, breakfast, um, after school snack program, child and adult care food program, summer food service program. Really, that was the foundation for the rest of my career. And from there, I uh, then worked as a clinician at Harvard University, was very focused in sports nutrition and working with athletes and performance nutrition. Uh, That evolved into running a private practice. And while I was at Harvard and running my private practice at the same time and working with athletes and and also general, the general population wanting education about healthy eating, it just struck me that it, you know, here I am in an area where it's very educated, lots of people are focused on wanting to be healthy. And yet there was such a dearth of information about like how to do that. And so I used to schedule second visits or third visits at a local supermarket to educate. And of course, Boston is a city. So it's, it's, there's a lot of concentration of different grocery stores in the area. And my office 
Um, I had one in Harvard Square and then I had another, my other office was in Central Square. And within just a few minutes, you could be at a Trader Joe's, a Whole Foods, a Star Market. There was a stop and shop nearby. So there was, it didn't, <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, it was, it wasn't about like the type of chain you wanted to go to. It was where the person felt comfortable and where they shopped and let's do a real live session while somebody's shopping. And I was doing that for several years. And then a friend of mine who lived in Phoenix saw a job posting for a local retailer for bashes and sent me the job post and said, Hey, like, I know you're nuts about supermarkets. You should really apply for this job. I got the job. I ended up working for bashes for several years. And that was really a crash course in, in retail. And the reason I took that opportunity is when you're doing education one-on-one, you're, you can see the impact week to week after meeting with somebody, but you're only touching one person. And I would see about 30 to 35 people a week. And I just thought, well, in a supermarket, they have thousands of customers a day. And if I could leverage their marketing power to communicate with customers, just tidbits of information, because we all have very short attention spans, including myself, that no. if I could get if I could get that opportunity to just provide a little bit of education and bite-sized pieces to the customers, then maybe I could really make a difference. And that's so, that, that's key too, though, the, the bite-sized pieces, because if you just bombard them with all kinds of information at once, people don't know where to start, what to grab out of it. And it's like some folks can look at a beat up old dilapidated house, right? And they can see the finished product. Other folks just see a beat up house and oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to do this and have to do that, have to do this, but how do I begin? Where do I start? So doing that, like you said, in bite-sized pieces, is you had success at it. It was definitely, it still is a learning process. Like what is the magical way to motivate people to change their behaviors? In fact, I, I just wrote an article on behavior change in Progressive Grocer magazine that dropped today. So <laughs> if you're looking for that in the September issue of the Progressive Grocer magazine. So from working at Bashes, um, the other side of that is, and you know this, Dan, better than I do, that retailers have a powerful influence on consumer behavior. So how you set things up in the produce department, and we were talking about this the other day, like how it looks, that's the first impression a customer has when they walk through the door at a retailer. And there's a reason why produce is the first thing you step into and a reason why retailers should really pay attention to having the most beautiful, organized, well-merchandised produce department because that's absolutely for, for shopping behavior for the rest of the time that person's in that store and whether or not they're going to return. I'm preaching to the choir. Well, that's true. Uh, you're absolutely right. However, at the same time, you don't want to grab your bag salads and, and you know, if you're going to spend an hour in the supermarket doing your, your shopping, I mean, if you spend 20 minutes in there, fine. But you don't want to grab your bag salads, push them around the store outside of refrigeration because you're breaking the cold chain. Then, the, Unless you're going to use them up right away. And I also tell folks, too, when you go to the supermarket, when you buy your fresh produce, and especially if you're buying processed items, cut. And a lot of folks like to buy things already cut up because they don't want to cut them up themselves or they live in a small apartment where the, the, uh, the kitchen is small or whatever, whatever the situation is. You don't want to buy all that stuff, put it in your car, 
and then go run errands, go to the mall or go to this or that, pick that up. And then by the time you get home, it's two or three hours later and all that produce has been sitting in your car for that long period of time. So planning your shopping trips is essential as well as far as how long things last. Because what we don't want is people to say, oh, you know, I buy that and it just doesn't last. I'm going to stop buying it. Then they stop consuming it. Hey, you live in a utopian world. I don't know who has an hour to shop for groceries. I certainly don't. (laughs) But let me tell you, also, I live in the Southwest, the desert. It is 120 degrees here, 150 So there's no dilly-dallying. You buy your stuff and you are headed home or you have a cooler. I mean, most- Oh, good idea. Yeah. I mean, when it gets to, if it's 110 or 115 ambient temperature outside, in your car, it gets, I've taken pictures where it's 125 degrees inside of my car when I get in after a tennis match or something like that. And so, yeah, I'll go to the grocery store. I have my insulated bags ready. I always buy my, I always buy some frozen things, frozen peas, frozen veggies or whatever. And that is my cooling apparatus in the cool, in the zipped bag. And I always pick those up at, you know, the trade shows because we actually use them in Phoenix. I mean, we, you need them. It's essential, Sure. but so getting back on track, the other thing. So it was really, when I took the job at Bashes, it was a win. Well, I won't speak for them, but I'll say it was a win-win for them. It was a win for them. And it was a win for me because I really wanted to understand the backside of the business. I wanted to learn how grocery actually works. How, how do foods get from the farm to to the truck, to the processing center, then to the warehouse, and then how do they actually get out to grocery stores? And what's all the in-between category management, how they get merchandise, all of that stuff I really wanted to learn from the viewpoint of a health professional, because how you market and merchandise and promote products affects people's behavior. And so as a dietitian, that has been the theme of my entire career for the past, I'd say 15 to 20 years now. Um, I mean, I was a clinician for 10. I'm, I'm telling you how old I am. You know, I've spent a good portion of the last 15 years of my career just soaking up as much information and learning about re- retail. And I really feel like I've only scratched the surface, but I have a good handle on category management, um, merchandising, data analytics, um, using syndicated data, you're looking at your trade market, how to find opportunities to compete and and not just in produce. I mean, when I worked in retail, I was looking at all products across all categories and the program that I ran. And one of the main reasons I was hired is they were trying to have a competitive advantage in the trade area. And, and anybody that's in retail knows that Arizona, Phoenix in particular, is a very competitive trade area. And it's a test market because we have cheap real estate. And within five miles of my home, there's a Winco and Aldi, a Trader Joe's, a Whole Foods, a, a Safeway, Albert, Safeway Albertsons, a Costco, a uh, Walmart. I'm I'm sure I'm missing. Um, there's a Save More. Um, it's got to be a Sprouts because that's, oh, that's Phoenix. And Sprouts, of course. Yes, there's a Sprouts literally like around the corner from my house and a Bashes. So yeah, so it's a very competitive trade market. And, and I felt like this was a great place to learn. So 
okay, fast forward to the, your original question was, how did I end up in produce? And we talked about this the other day. It was a relationship. I was working, the person who was managing Chilean avocados at the time, my dear colleague, Maggie Beezard Hall, she was running a Super Bowl promotion for Chilean avocados. And through a conversation, she happened to mention, oh, you know, we sent all this POS for this big Super Bowl campaign and a customer will win a trip to the Super Bowl. It's here in Phoenix a lot. And, um, and so I just happened to go to a store after work that day and I didn't find any POS for any Super Bowl campaign. And so the next day when I went into work, I just took a different, um, I took kind of a long cut to get to my office, which I walked through the warehouse uh, past produce. And I just stuck my head in and asked the category manager who was sitting there at the time. And uh, I said, hey, uh, do you have any POS for um, the Super Bowl campaign? And he said, oh yeah, it's it's all those boxes out there. (laughs) There's like a sea of boxes. And, you know, as merchant as brands, right? You spend a lot of money on bins and POS and you send them out to sure. retailers yeah. with the the thought that they're actually going to get out to stores and merchandise. And so I just thought, ah, well, I could take, you know, a half hour out of my day and make sure that they get put on every truck um, in the next 24 hours. <laughs> and that built a very good relationship with Maggie. Um, and then Maggie ended up working for Avocados from Mexico when they first formed their association in 2013. She hired me in 2014, seeing the vision that a dietitian working for a fresh produce company with a background in retail could be a great value. Side note, I also was very engaged with my colleagues who also worked at supermarket chains throughout the country and North America. I ran a conference. I started a conference. And so there, there's value there in then going to work for Avocados from Mexico. I had already developed a network of dietitians that worked at every supermarket chain in the country. And that's really what I've been doing for the past nine years is fortifying those relationships, um, creating insights and materials that help not only dietitians, but marketers for some of the largest supermarket chains across the country to help bolster their marketing to customers that are interested in eating healthy, but they don't necessarily want to eat more. I was surprised by one of the statistics that you shared, and we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors. But prior to that, 80% of consumers indicate they made a change to eating habits as a result of a conversation with a healthcare professional Dietitians, RDNs are listed as one of the most trusted sources. And then you have a whole list of supermarket chains here as well. And then I'd like to also get into some of the produce prescriptions that we've been talking about lately. So we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors. We're with Barbara Roos, and we'll be right back after this. Don't go away. In the morning, I always pour a cup of coffee and grab a banana. Before Equifruit, I never thought twice about how my banana was farmed. And now that I'm a banana badass, I care about fair trade, which ensures fair pay, gender equity, and safe working conditions. This is why Equifruit is the only banana you should buy. Everyone, we have an APB out on a buck naked onion. This onion is produced by Owyhee Produce, so we have to be on the lookout. Whether you're a retailer, food service distributor, or a wholesaler, this onion is whole, it's hearted, 
and it's buck naked, everyone. To all you civilians out there, please, let's catch this buck naked onion. That's some good stuff. Isn't that, Barbara? Sounding good, huh? <laughs> Folks, Barbara Roos is with us. Registered dietitian, supermarket dietitian as well. And before we took the break, I mentioned a statistic that really surprised me because this is way more optimistic than I have been. And I appreciate that you had actually shared this. 80% of consumers indicate that they made a change to eating habits as a result of a conversation with a healthcare professional dietitian. Wow, Barbara, that restores a whole lot of faith in me because right now with inflation so high and a lot of people struggling, groceries high, also the ease of just grabbing some sort of frozen burrito and throwing it in the microwave or fried foods. You know, a lot of bar and grill type fried foods, which is usually just out of a box and into a fryer. It's not really made in the back room. You can get that at the supermarket too. A lot of folks do that at home for ease. But this gives me a whole lot of hope. 80%. That's great. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, I think dietitians, um, most people don't realize or have a, a real grasp on the breadth of what the role is. In fact, I identify, you know, now in my career more as a marketing expert and nutrition and being a dietitian is my superpower because nice. I think there is a lot of confusion about, okay, what does a dietitian or nutritionist do? And there is a difference. There's anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. Not everybody can call themselves a registered dietitian. So there's very standardized um, training and education. And now you have to have a master's degree to earn that credential. You have to do an 800 hour practical experience. There's the, there's a lot of training required to become a registered dietitian. Of the 110,000 that are in the United States alone, they operate in a lot of different capacities. And I think one of the confusions or reasons why people always say, well, what does a supermarket dietitian do is less than 1% of that 110,000 actually work for supermarket chains. And I'd say less than 5% work in food, in the food retail business. Um, mm. You might be wow. surprised to know, and the average listener might not realize that every major food industry player from Frito-Lay, ConAgra, Kellogg's to the largest QSR chains on the planet, McDonald's, Taco Bell, or Yum Brands, all of these organizations employ dietitians in their organizations. And they function in regulatory um, areas, menu development, innovation, obviously marketing is a big thing. Consumer, right now there's a lot of attention on sustainability and um, environmental sustainability and um, the ESG concept. That encompasses nutrition. When you're an investor and you're looking to put money into a startup or a, a business and they say, oh, well, we, we're checking all the boxes with our ESG. They want it, they want measurable results. They want to be able to measure that. And so part of what I tried to do when I was at Bashes and also with Avocados from Mexico, I always wanted to find a way that I could quantify, not just in business, oh, increased sales, increased consumption is a big deal because avocados has seen a 
300% increase in consumption in the time that I've, I've worked with them. But, you know, dietitians are across all spectrums of business, and they're a very small percentage of that 110,000 dietitians in the country. So it's reasonable that people would have some confusion, but they're all over. And I'd say the majority of dietitians work in clinical, you know, hospitals, and, and maybe people have not had great interactions with a dietitian in their, their life, you know, the food police, but there is a whole bunch of us that have worked in public health or have worked in the food business as marketers. And I will tell you, first and foremost, I am a health professional. I have follow a code of ethics. I have to achieve a minimum amount of continuing education credits in a five-year cycle that have to be submitted and reviewed. And I mean, it's a rigorous process. So my credentials actually do mean something. And it's sometimes tiring to try and convince who you're working for, like, hey, this, you really need to have somebody like me. And in fact, I find it really interesting that across the board, I mean, avocados from Mexico and the avocado industry is a large, you know, there's a lot of um, money there. But across the board, there's not many dietitians that work in the fresh produce industry. And by golly, like, if I see a dietitian that has an interest in pursuing a role with a food industry in the food industry or with a produce fresh produce organization, heck, myself, I'm always looking for opportunities. Um, I, I have to do a lot of selling. In fact, I sound like a used car salesman very often in my role as a consultant because it's convincing people of my value to your organization. I get you 100%, Barbara, because I go through the same thing with what I have to offer in my consulting services as well. And, you, you know, yes, your credentials are there, but what takes your credentials and stirs them up and throws them out there for people to receive is your passion that goes along with those credentials. So that combination right there, that is what people got to look at because Anybody can have credentials, I mean, if they study hard enough and work hard enough for it like you did, but without the passion and the drive that you have, especially for the fresh produce industry, then, you know, then it's, they're just credentials. So it's a very good and inspiring combination that you have. Well, thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. And I got off the track. You asked me about produce prescriptions. Um, you know, they're getting a lot of attention. In fact, there was an article published today in Forbes today, prescriptions for produce, patient health improves when programs pay for fruits and veggies, new study says. Yes. There was just a recent research uh, paper that came out of the American College of Cardiology out of the Friedman School of uh, Tufts School of Nutrition about the impact of fresh fruit and vegetable produce prescription yes, programs. Yes, I saw a, a similar article. It wasn't on Forbes, but it was... I can't remember but things just come. Yeah. Through. I mean, we're, we're hearing a lot about produce prescriptions right now. They're out there. And I, I could talk a little bit about that. I did consult um, with an organ, a nonprofit called wholesome wave, who is really the leader in um, promoting the concept. And they, they've been doing this since I think 2012, I worked for them. I want to say in 2015 to 2017, so more than five years ago. And the concept is, is catching on. And the idea is that when you have a doctor or a healthcare professional prescribe, somebody comes in with diabetes or they have heart disease or some ailment, uh, that a doctor actually prescribes 
the fact that they need to eat more fruits and vegetables. And I've often said, I'm, I'm sure you know Lori Taylor, um, the Produce Moms. We had a whole conversation about this a few years ago with my dis disgust of going in to see the doctor. And the first thing they want to know is what I weigh. And it's like, <laughs> okay, I'll get on the scale, although it's going to make me feel horrible for the rest <laughs> of the day, probably. But ask me like how many fruits and vegetables I had in the last 24 hours. That's That information is a lot more valuable than what a number on the scale is, because I can actually make a difference today or when I leave this office at how many fruits and vegetables I can consume. And very likely, I can't change the number on the scale in 24 hours. Right, so exactly. And this conversation... I have to tell you, I had a national radio show for, for several years promoting fresh fruit and vegetables on the Talk America radio network many years ago, 20-some-odd years ago. I actually started in the 90s, ended in 2005, but we would have people from Produce for Better Health on the t all the time, five a day, and then they change it to five to nine, then eat your cup. You know, it kept changing, but five a day was a big thing at the time, and we kept talking about this very same issue. How do you get folks to eat more fresh fruits and vegetables? How do the stores get it into the folks? And wouldn't it be really cool if doctors could prescribe fresh fruit and vegetables? So here we are, 20 some odd years later, it's finally happening. Well, and so I'll give you a little sound bite too. People will often say to me, oh, but it costs more money to eat healthy. Yes, it it, it can cost more money if you're going to eat at sweet green or you know one of those fancy salad chains although here in phoenix we have salad and go i don't know if you've Ooh, ever like, when you go. come into phoenix you have got to go through a drive-thru at salad they're only drive-thrus they're a salad kiosk fast food concept only like salad only nice. and we were here for a couple of years before and it's so funny i had gone to costco and the one of the people at costco had done something really nice for me and i was like oh i gotta get that person a gift card and there's a salad and go like in the parking lot and i thought oh i'm a dietitian i'm gonna buy them a gift card at salad and go there never ever been there and so i went and i was like oh well I'll buy the gift card and i'll get something and I have been a diehard salad and go drive through. I mean, it is amazing. And their whole concept not only is obviously salad, but it's about equitable, um, healthy food. So you can get a salad and nothing on their menu is more than $6. Oh, beautiful. Wow. So oh, that's great. Very, yeah, it's really affordable. It's super delicious. They make all of their salad dressings in-house and wow. it's super delicious. And like, I have a running joke with my neighbor. She's like, oh, you know, what What salad, what salad jag are you on? Because I go from like, they have an autumn harvest salad that I get addicted to. And then I get addicted to their Cobb salad as well, without the bacon, of course. Um, but anyway, the, the sound bite I was going to say to you is the average cost to meet your recommendations of fruit and vegetables in a day is less than three dollars okay so that's about um you know it's it's less than what's three times 30 it's um less than 78 dollars a month but that's now, that investing sounds... that's an investment in your health right. for future down the road and i've always said this and you and i had the conversation on the phone and i've always said this on my shows over the years is 
it's an investment in your future. Eat healthy now so that you don't become a medical burden to your kids later on in life or whoever uh, whoever you're with and, and, and to yourself. And this is what is fueling the produce prescription concept because we now are spending $3 trillion on healthcare. And of that $3 trillion, it is mostly from four causes of diet-related disease, diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, and cancers that are uh, influenced by diet. So the fact that we haven't paid attention to this, yes, we need people telling people, you need to eat more fruits and vegetables. Throw out the scales, doctors who are listening. Do not weigh people as they walk in. Ask them how many fruits and vegetables, and you will make a bigger difference. So the produce prescription, the clunkiness of it right now, there is USDA has this healthy food financing that has money set aside earmarked that will go to nonprofit organizations that want to run these um, produce prescription programs. And the idea is that you find a healthcare organization that is willing to work with you they get a certain chunk of money. And then of course you have to follow them because it's not like, oh, you're just getting free money to hope that people are making a difference. No, sure. you're um, giving you know, $100,000 to Jocelyn Diabetes Center for uh, people who are being referred for di diabetes. And the other thing I should mention is that it's to the healthy food financing, the idea of produce prescription is to help underserved communities. So people that are struggling to get food on the table and, and all of us in produce know a little bit about the, the SNAP program, the Supplemental Nutrition sure. Assistance Program. But, you know, with SNAP, there's really not guardrails. Like you're not obviously about allowed to buy cigarettes and alcohol and that kind of stuff or non-food items, but um, there's no real like the WIC program, which says, okay, you get a certain amount, you can buy milk, you know, cheese, da, da, da. Right. Uh, the SNAP program is pretty broad and there's, there's benefits to that. But part of that is you're trying to put food on the table and you run out of money pretty quickly. Uh, and, and not necessarily prioritizing fruits and vegetables because yes, you have to chop them and prepare them and cut them. And Yes, we say, oh, well, we're we're in this business, like in fresh produce, we're like, oh, yeah, we're we're doing all this like quick prepared, you know, I love what man vegetables has been doing and a lot of the salad kits and oh, stuff like absolutely. that. But if you're on a limited budget, you're not necessarily going to go buy a $5 bag salad or and you're not going to necessarily go buy the, the dollar head of romaine and make a salad. No, so they're going like, to buy the bag of 20 or 40 taquitos that are frozen in it because, right, right. you know, that has all that salt, sugar, fat, and everything else in it. And but it's a meal, Dan. It's a meal. People see sure. that as a meal. They can't walk into the produce and see that it is a meal. So, so the produce prescriptions are basically helping people for a specific amount of time. They are giving them a little bit more money to purchase fresh fruits, or it doesn't even have to be fresh. A lot of the produce prescriptions do focus on fresh, but I'm not uh, saying it, you can buy frozen blueberries or frozen sure. spinach or Absolutely. frozen green beans or canned tomatoes loaded with nutrition. Any of those fruits and vegetables count towards getting your vitamins and minerals and, and what you need, why we want you to be eating fruits and vegetables. But does this program work with 
Now, say a nonprofit gets the money and they, they've got a program going where they're working with the fresh fruit and vegetables. Do they have a program inside of it? Do they have to create themselves where they work with the individuals or have little seminars where 20 or 30 mothers or fathers can show up or whoever it is to, to go over education on fresh fruit and vegetables? Because really it's getting the, the person to make that decision as well. Well, so you're hitting the nail on the head where where the problem lies. Like Wholesome Wave had the structure in place. They had program coordinators. They were getting the money. They were finding the healthcare partners. They were finding the retail partners. And they were sort of the go-between in organizing how the programs work. Now, really great programs are tracking outcomes, right? So yes. you give, uh, you're prescribing produce to uh, 300 patients for um, four to eight to 16 weeks, and we're following them from, from day one through the uh, entire uh, program to see that it actually has made a difference in their biometrics. So their, you know, heart rate, their, that's not a good one, uh, their weight, uh, their heart, um, their cholesterol levels. Sure. Now, you know, as a clinician, a lot of these things don't change in such a short amount of time. You want to help people learn how to prepare foods, why they need to prepare them. Produce prescriptions are a step in the right direction. It's not a fully baked solution. Now, I do want to mention there are some examples of organizations that are doing things really right. Uh, I don't know if you are familiar or if the listeners are familiar with a program called Every Table. It's a Los Angeles-based, it's actually a for-profit program that organization basically prepares meals in a central commissary, healthy meals that are attractive to all populations of people, not just like the sweet green customer. And I'm not picking on sweet green. I like sweet green, although I like salad and go better. I will say that. <laughs> um, but so they prepare these, these healthy meals and they are priced according to where they're sold. So they're the whole mission of every table is trying to bring healthy foods to food deserts. And oftentimes people will say to me, well, I don't live in the desert. There's no food deserts here. And a food desert is where, when there's not a supermarket, like a, a supermarket chain yeah, within. Yeah, a produce store or a grocery store that has. Yeah, but area. also a, a food desert. You see these a lot in Los Angeles. I spend a lot of time in LA. It's only a 45 minute flight. One of my retailers, Northgate Markets in Anaheim, I used to visit a lot when I was doing my work with avocados from Mexico. And you could drive down and get off any exit on the 405. We hear about Compton a lot, so I won't pick, pick on Compton. But even in Anaheim, you drive down any of the side streets off the freeway and on any of the exits, there will be like a McDonald's, a Carl's Jr., a Pizza Hut, maybe a Subway, not a grocery store, and not a one healthy option. And every table is trying to change that. They're building these very, it's real estate's expensive. So they're trying to find places where they can break up that food desert by offering healthy foods at affordable prices. So they're doing things great. Prior to every table, I believe they started this concept called the grocery ship. Have you ever heard of this? No, we have something very similar here in the Bay Area. It's called Fresh Approach. And they okay. go out with fresh produce on trucks to food deserts and people can come up and buy the, the fresh produce. Okay, so so this is an important thing that I want 
to share with listeners because the grocery ship model, which is the same guy, Sam Polk, who runs um, every table, this guy's a genius. He's not a health professional, but he is doing amazing things. I want to work for this guy. But so the grocery ships concept is a contraction of grocery and scholarship. So it's a grocery scholarship, grocery ship. You basically go on the groceryship.com website. You, if you meet income guidelines, I think you have to have a, you're in your household. It has to be less than $40,000 a year. And then you can apply for this grocery scholarship, this grocery ship. And not only are they giving you money, additional money for groceries, fruits and vegetables, but it's this well-baked program where when you get one of their grocery scholarships, these grocery ships, you also get education, culinary education, nutrition education. You're in a community of other people that are, are trying to learn as well. So you're learning from people that are in the same situation as you i mean the the, oh, that is the concept is something that ifpa the industry needs to take on but there's there's some other really great concepts out there as well i just am a very big fan of of them and what they're doing and i think people are just going to continue to get more and more interested in in maintaining their personal health and wellness because there's a lot more not only awareness but okay, I'm a consultant and, and I'm, I've been gainfully employed, but I pay for my own health insurance to the tune of $500 a month. I mean, it is not cheap. And I hardly, I go to the doctor if once or twice a year, I mean, I'm a woman, so I'm supposed to go once a year, but I mean, healthcare is expensive by golly. If I had to take medication every month for diabetes or insulin or, you know, any of that kind of stuff that could bankrupt a person. And we know, I know this very specifically when I was a clinician at Harvard University, every single day of the week, I saw students, faculty, staff, people coming in to get treated for diabetes. It isn't, it doesn't matter if you're ed- well-educated or you have no right. education at all. If you make a million dollars a year, you make 10 cents a year. It, you know, the, the, it does not discriminate and healthy eating, how you eat can change that. And it's not really a difficult concept, but we are creatures of habit. So if you grew up in a household that there was not somebody cooking and preparing meals because mom was working two jobs and dad was also working two jobs, you're not ever going to have the tools to grow up and be focused on eating healthy. I'm one of those. I grew up on the school lunch and my mom was on welfare and my mom really was not a great cook, but she would say, you know, to my sister and I, Hey, I left instructions, please make the shake and bake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, I hear you. You know, we, we, yeah, I grew up on, you know, whatever cereal that was advertised on TV on Saturday mornings, if we wanted it, yeah. we got it. We and didn't get so- everything we wanted in life, but we, with the cereal, if we got it, we wanted. it. What was that? That was a, oh, a fortified with eight essential vitamins, but- you know, how much sugar is in that and everything else. So, uh, Hey, I don't discriminate against cereal. Cereal is actually a great vehicle for bananas, berries. I mean, if you want to eat cereal, go ahead. Yeah, but You know, let's get some. Hopefully you'd go for a higher fiber cereal, 
again, like I don't want to be this dietitian that says, oh no, that's not good for you. Even taquitos. Hey, I eat taquitos. I put avocados all over those things. I love salsa. I mean, anything that I'm eating and I eat normal foods, just like the rest of the world, tasty stuff, tacos and fajitas and pizzas and things like that. Yeah, but it's not a way of life. It's not an everyday, all the time thing. And that's the problem. A lot of folks have made the drive-through and not at salad and go, unfortunately, a way to a, a way of life. When I was a kid, that was a treat. You went to AW once a month and you got a burger and a you know, big jug of root beer and you know, had a party. But now it's it's a way of life for a lot of folks. It's every single day and that's just that's depositing the wrong and, stuff into your health account, put it that way. And Dan, you are absolutely right. We need systemic change. And that's why food chains, you know, there are some, there is some glimmer of hope. Taco Bell has a team of dietitians that are freaking amazing. Really? I mean, adding, oh my gosh, yes. I mean, I'll hook you up soon. One of my favorite books by Michael Moss, Salt, Sugar, and Fat. And there's a good section in there. And he's not saying, hey, you shouldn't eat this and you shouldn't eat that. He's saying, this is just how it's done and why it's done. He actually goes to the Cheetos factory and they make him Cheetos without all the salt and the sugar and fat in it. And he said, it tastes like cardboard. It tastes terrible. So, you know, he understands that. But each one of these companies have their, their dietitians. And are they trying to make the food healthier? And maybe your Taco right. Bell guy right. is. Or are they are they just saying, hey, you know, we've added these nutrients into this, but there's still all this other crap in there. I, I don't know. So I'm asking you that question. Okay. That is a, there's a whole bunch. My brain is firing in a million different directions. <laughs> on, on where do I start? Where do I even start with answering that? So Taco Bell, they've, they've been trying to increase more vegetarian options and vegan. I mean, bean burrito, like that's a good yeah. one if okay. you're traveling. Sure. I mean, of course I always stop at McDonald's when I'm traveling because I always know there's a good reliable bathroom. Um, oh, but, I never thought of that. Okay. But there are lots of, um, again, like you said, it's a, it's a way of life. A lot of people are relying on fast food and that is where the problem is. Like, even if you're making small tweaks, if you're a corporate dietitian and you're working in R and D for McDonald's and you've added 50% more whole grains in the bun and you've lowered the saturated fat and you've changed the cooking oil, uh, to a high oleic soybean oil. That's not depositing all that saturated fat into a French fry. Yes. Those are making a difference. And, and it, it's fascinating when you hear the statistics, like when McDonald's changed change their frying oil from lard to the high oleic soybean oil, virtually like 50,000 heart attacks were eliminated like a month or something. Like it was some crazy number. Okay. So then before that, we can see that McDonald's French fries were contributing greatly to 50,000 heart attacks. Yeah. Right. And if you're eating French fries every single day, yeah, there's a problem there. Of course, that is a produce item. Well, <laughs> let's not forget. Yeah, potatoes. kind of a molested but, produce item if it you know goes through the fast food <laughs> food chain. But oh, okay. Again, I I have no, you know, I'm I'm not the food police. I do have a french fry here and there. I love them. But there are some organizations that are doing things right. If you test and this is one of the issues that I see with um well, I could I could get off the tangent, but um you know, there are healthy things, uh, how to end this on a high note and not a depressing note. There's a huge opportunity. I just think 
less than $3 a day to get your fruits and vegetables. Think about that. If you are somebody that is dealing with heart disease and taking medic cholesterol medication, or if you have diabetes and by golly, you're taking any of the anti-diabetic, um, you know, say your type two diabetes. I know they don't use that language anymore in healthcare, but insulin dependent and non-insulin dependent diabetes. So if you are either of those, especially the non-insulin dependent, the type two, um, I've counseled patients that have been like, I'm going to, I'm going to get this under control. And they have started exercising and changing their diet and they get off the, the, the drugs. Um, yes. And so, if yes. You, One of my I very best friends, 13 medications a year and a half ago, he said, Dan, I just started listening to my body. Seriously. Those are very important words. I started listening to my body. He's 70 pounds less, zero medications, looks great, feels great, sharp. So, yes, definitely what you said is, is true. And also, Barbara, I mean, all these studies have been out there that state that people who eat even two or more servings of fresh fruit and vegetables a day are more optimistic, more happy. It does something to you. So, That's going to take a lot. Uh, yeah, so you want to feel not just feel good Physically, you, you want to feel good mentally. Boy, after that, you can do anything. Absolutely anything. It all lives in the mind. And this is why it has been such a thrill to work in the avocado industry, right? So for my entire career, okay, 25 years or something in, in this business or being a dietitian, and fruit and vegetable consumption has been pathetic, less than 90, less than 10% of Americans actually consume the, you know, five or more fruits and vegetables, yeah. five cups a day, which is really not that no, much. No, it's if you hardly start anything. Doing. So my entire career that, that has not changed at all, but I've been working in the avocado industry for nine years. And in that time, they have per capita consumption has gone from two to over eight pounds per capita. People are in love with avocados. And there's a lot of reasons why avocados are successful. Not everybody, well, I won't talk about the crazy people that don't like avocados. <laughs> they, they are out there. They're the ones that call them before. avocados. <laughs> I have met those people. Um, but, yes. you know, what? What's, so it's fascinating to really think about it. And I, I like I said to you, this this idea, like, why can't people eat more fruits and vegetables? It is a thing that keeps me up at night. I think I have, you know, come up with why, like I, I have an entire, you can't see a blackboard behind me, but one day I was I like, okay, I just need to write. Yeah, a whiteboard. Okay. So one day I was like, I just got to write all these things down. And it's, it's not one, there's not one solution. That's, that's the problem. People sure. think, oh, I, there's one thing, you know, produce prescription is going to solve this for the world. No, even a produce prescription has to have education involved. It has to have, you know, I think it really needs to have dietitians involved. We, yeah, we are talking everything. about, it needs it. yeah, yeah I, everyone's absolutely. like, oh, we need to educate doctors more about nutrition. Yes, we do need to educate doctors more about nutrition, but there is an entire profession of dietitians. We go into this because food we we believe food is medicine. Take advantage of dietitians that are credentialed in 48 states across the country. We are billable by Medicare and most health insurance plans. Um, you can see us 
under your health insurance plan, I definitely for two diagnoses for diabetes and, and for, for kidney, but a lot, when I was in Boston, my private practice accepted health insurance. That was the majority of clients that came to my practice was health insurance. And I did all the billing. Uh, and I went and visited with the administrators at Blue Cross Blue Shield, Tufts Health Plan, Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare, all the major health employers. And basically, like I'm talking to you now, gave them these impassioned pitches that, hey, if you keep the people that are paying for your health insurance healthier, guess what? You're not going to have to pay for a um, cardiac, you know, heart attack. Yeah, um, yeah got the massive medical bills later and your quality of life go yeah. down. Barbara, how can people get a hold of you? Oh, well, so you can visit me at marketrd.com. So marketrd.com. Uh, marketrd.com. Because most people spell my last name, although it's only four simple, easy letters. It's R-U-H-S. People like to mix the S and the H up. <laughs> it's Ruse. Like, kangaroo, like kangaroos, it's a German last name, R-U-H-S. So you can email me at barb at marketrd.com. Go to my website. I love when people link in uh, with me because I'm very vocal on LinkedIn. Although I, I don't consider myself like the traditional influencer. Like I don't have millions of followers on Instagram or TikTok or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't do that. I mean, I put stuff up, but I care less about being a social media. That's that, a lot of people want that. I just want to put the information up there. You got it. You yes. want it. You don't. You and, don't. Who cares? And I share my information on LinkedIn. I've been writing for Progressive Grocer for collectively for I want to say ten years. Nice. I regularly write for Today's Dietitian magazine. I'm quoted in the Huffington Post. I, you know, if if you want to talk to me and. Heck, if you want to hire me, please get in touch right now. All right, folks. Barbara Roos here on Fresh from the Field Fridays. Barbara, thank you so much for joining us Thanks, today. Man. We went a little longer than usual, folks. But, hey, the subjects were very, very, very interesting, near and dear to my heart as well, and hopefully to yours. Folks, don't forget to check out the Produce Industry Podcast every Monday with Patrick Kelly as well as the Produce Industry Show on YouTube and the Produce Industry app. you got to have that. Download that now on your smartphone, your watch, your tablet, wherever you can download an app to. It's a great resource. And don't forget to check out the History of Produce series with John Papp, the Global Fresh series with Juanita Gallo, and also check out my YouTube and Rumble channels called... Dan the Produce Man and all my social media can be found at DanTheProduceMan.com Until next week, this is Dan the Produce Man reminding you that it's always best when you get it fresh. You've been listening to Fresh from the Field Fridays with Dan the Produce Man. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Produce Industry Podcast and at Dan The Produce Man. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.